So we continue into a new chapter, Jesus Christ, His Resurrection. Look at, chap- uh, look at this chapter and its first paragraph. The resurrection of Jesus Christ makes Christianity unique. For Jesus, among all religious leaders who ever lived, died, sorry, ever lived and died, He rose again from the dead. Now this is what is different from every single religion in this world. Every religion founded by men has never had any claims that its, its leader died and came back to life and lived among men historically with records that even the secular world cannot deny. So here is what makes us truly different because Jesus Christ is indeed God. That is why he has conquered death for us. So this is an important doctrine. The doctrine of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection is, has been and will continue to be attacked. I want us to notice that. I say again, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ has always been and will always continue to be attacked. That's why BBK is very important for young and old. There are Christians today who deny some of these facts. And one of the most important things that we have to realize is that the death of Jesus Christ is physical. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is physical. We must not think that it is anything else. There are Bible colleges, there are Christians who believe that Jesus Christ came in spirit form, apparition, and even in his death, there are various theories. And even if he came as a human, took on human flesh, there are various theories taught by Christians about his death and his resurrection. So we must have strong foundation here. Let us look at this chapter again. Look at paragraph number two. Now, whenever the Lord Jesus spoke of his death, he also foretold of his resurrection. Whenever he spoke of his death in the scriptures, he he always very often bring in his resurrection. Now, why is this so crucial? Why Why do you think the Lord did that? For a simple reason. Many of us can say, I'm going to die, right? We can, co- we can um, coordinate our own death. We can. But none of us can ever say that, you know, after I die, and really die, literally die, three days later, I will come back to life. I don't think many of us, any human being, would ever dare to make that claim. But the Lord, every time He says, I will go to the cross, I'll be lifted up, I'll be crucified, I will die. And the, and the Christians know then, Crucifixion is sure death. Because even if you don't die on the cross, the Roman soldiers will break your leg and make sure you die of asphyxiation. I explained how how people die on the cross already. You will surely die. So he did not tell them, I will die by this way, I I will die in my sleep or anything. He said, I will die by crucifixion. Means he's trying to tell them, this is going to be a real death. And after that, I will literally arise. So he is the only person who can say that. Why? Because we keep studying. He is God. He is God. Look at your BBK books. Now, the resurrection of Christ, fact of fiction. Fact of fiction, the last paragraph. Whole Christianity church, who Christian church stands or falls with it. Please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. 
Is the death and resurrection of Christ crucial? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19. Now let's, maybe for, for connection's sake, let us read from verses 15 to 19, reading, Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. The resurrection, the physical resurrection of Christ was attacked then and has been attacked, like I keep emphasizing, do not be surprised when you read Christian books that say the death, the physical death and physical resurrection of Christ is just a story to tell a moral, um, it's a moral story, that's all, about good having victory over evil. That is all. No one can die and resurrect. Why do people say that? Because Christianity today, in many quarters, is subject to science, so-called science. So the thinking is, anything that you cannot explain with science, cannot see with your own eyes, cannot be true. Okay? So it's scientifically, it is not possible that someone who is a literal, physical human being dies and three days later, it's not like three, three minutes later, by then, things will have really your blood will have totally dried up in you. There's no chance of you coming back to life. And then coming back to life. They say it's not possible scientifically. So, this is just a story about to stir men to say that, look, good will have victory over evil. That is how they rationalize that. But here Paul, even back then, already um, have experienced the attack of the literal death and resurrection of Christ. And he says, now Christians, if we do not believe in the physical, literal death and resurrection of Christ, our faith is in vain, useless, don't come to church anymore. The Christian cannot deny the literal death and literal physical resurrection of Christ. If not, then Christianity is useless. Last week, over the last few weeks, we studied the death of Christ. I kept emphasizing one thing, all right? So this is a test of memory or attention. I kept emphasizing one thing. The death of Christ in the Bible, the Bible uses the word ransom, ransom. The Bible uses the word in my place, in your place. What kind of death it is called? The death of Christ is a... Yes. Sujin. Very good. The death of a Christ of Christ is a substitutionary death. It substitute he stood in your place. The penalty of sin includes what kind of death? Physical death, correct? Adam and Eve would not die. They should not die physically. But when death set, when sin when they fell into sin, three kinds of death occur. 
Justin, what are three kinds of death? Physical, spiritual, and second death. So physical death is one of it. Physical death. Now, if Christ's death is a substitutionary death, if it is not a physical death, and it's not a physical resurrection, then Christ did not substitute the penalty of sin for you. Understand that. Christianity has no meaning for you because Christ did not substitute you. When you and I die, we still need to die physically. We will not be resurrected. We will not have the glorious body and we will remain dead forever. So this is what it means. Substitutionary death is very crucial. Why must Jesus Christ take on human flesh? Why can't he appear as incarnation, uh, as theophany. In the Old Testament, Christ came to earth many times physically and took on human form, correct? Human form. But why don't Christ, to come as a saviour, come as a fully grown adult, which he did in the Old Testament, walk around and, and just finish what he has to do? Because he has to come to be born. A literal birth took on a permanent human form to be our substitute on the cross. Substitute for penalty of sin. So all this that Christ must be born physically, must grow up physically like any human being, as a 100% man, is very crucial for the Christian faith. So that must be the foundation. You cannot, you cannot take this lightly. Because today people say, why do you argue about all these things? It's all about a great man, a great prophet. He came, he lived, and he showed the world how to live. That is all. That is Christianity. Professors write about that. Ministers, I just was reading something about a minister. He's been in the ministry for 30 over years. He's a professor in Bible college. And he says all these things are really not important. Theologians waste their time on all this. It's all about a Christianity that is about being good in this world. That is all. So I hope that, you know, you grew up in sound churches. You don't think this is, you may think that this is alien. This is very rife today. Let's turn to the next page. Now, Christ's death in scriptures had many infallible truths. Christ's scriptures are Christ's death and resurrection has infallible, many infallible proofs. So we have some of them mentioned here. The first day, the second day, the third day, and the testimony of angels. Right, you see the bold headings. Now, scriptures very carefully detail the death of Christ and his resurrection. Moment by moment, every event given to us in great detail. Why? Why do you think so? Why don't say Jesus Christ died and he resurrected? Because there will be many who will dispute that. So God made sure he gave details. I know some of you may ask, let, let me ask you this. How do we know that the death and resurrection of Christ is true? How do you know? Shining, how do you know? The Bible records it. The Bible records the first day, the second day, the third day, and in those days, the details of everything. The Bible records it. Okay? So, Shining, then I continue my argument. Of course the Bible will say that. <laughs> 
Because the Bible is about Christianity, right? Of course, the Bible will say that. So how are you going to answer? The Bible is God's word. So then therefore the Bible is? The Bible is true. The Bible records it. The Bible is God's word. Then the Bible is true. Then therefore, all these details are true. In philosophy, um, they call this a circular argument. They call this a circular argument. You know circular argument? You argue, argue, come back to the same circle, and it's always the same thing. How do you know it's true? The Bible says it's true. Of course the Bible says it's true. How do you know it's not false? Because the Bible says it's true. So it's a, it's a circular argument. It goes back to one starting point. And the starting point is, the Bible is true. Because it is God's word. You must believe that the Bible is God's word. That's the first thing. Actually, that's going to be part of today's um, Sunday message, if I remember to say these things. The Bible is all about put on the belt of, the belt of what? Truth. The belt of truth. Truth. Yes, it's a circular argument, but even philosophers have to admit, if the argument is true, the basis is true, then even if it's a circular argument, it is all right. Correct? Maybe the other way, um, Ellen. So, if I'm an unbeliever, I keep arguing with you. Yeah, you're, you are giving a circular argument that Jesus literally died, Jesus literally resurrected. It's said by people who believe, written by people who believe. It's a circular argument. I don't believe that. How would you answer? Because sometimes Christians panic, you know, when they challenge you. Circular argument. They say, oh, yeah, yeah, circular argument. Then we want to go to science, right? So-called science. Now, please know, students, Christianity is not against science. How do you pronounce science? Science. Science. Okay? It's not against science. Science, there is so-called science and there is science. God created the universe. God knows science better than any professor who lives on earth. Understand that. But there is so-called science, there are theories, that's all. The Big Bang Theory is called a theory. But people want to take it as science today. It's a theory. So, Alan, I didn't forget you. So, someone says, Alan, it's a round-robin argument. It's, it's a circular argument. You just got your PhD, right, Alan? Ah, yeah, you PhD people, you know, of all the people, you should know that this is not supposed to be how you argue things. Then what do you say? See, I won't take this argument. We choose rather to trust God. You choose rather to trust God. Of course, you're a Christian, you say that. You see, you Christians always argue with a circular argument. Then the Christian panic. That's why today is about convictions. Christian panic. Keziah, how would you answer that? I cannot accept this sort of circular argument, Keziah. You, you Christians are so foolish. See, everyone panicking now. How? How to... Ignatius, I'll keep calling you until you go back because I will not be able to call you after you go back. <laughs> Ignatius, how? So now you have your unbelieving friends in Singapore 
You go for job interview and then the man say, ah, yeah, oh, you're a Christian. Ah, yeah, you're always circular argument. Walk away. Walk away. <laughs> okay, today's sermon is stand therefore. <laughs> All right, you must stand and defend the truth. Stand therefore. You cannot walk away. How? Benedict. Whatever you believe still requires faith. Whatever you believe still requires faith. Now, ask you a question or make fun of, of Ignatius. I want you all to think. Whatever you believe requires faith. Our faith is based on the Bible is God's word and therefore the Bible is true. Right? God is always true. Our faith is based on the Bible is true. And the person who argues with you is he also arguing with a circular argument? Is he or not? He's also arguing on a circular argument. It's just that his circular argument is the Bible is not true. Science, so-called, is true. And therefore, he is also arguing his faith is in science or feelings or um, um, the world's view and so on. He also has a reference point, understand that. He also has a reference point. He is also arguing a circular argument. How do you know it's not true? Because I believe it is not true. It's the same. So the Christian must never shift your ground when it comes to the truth. You must stand firm. The physical death and resurrection of Christ is true, is real. Then we study from there. Because as you go through this BBK book, we say the Bible says day one, the Bible says day two, the Bible says three, day three. You must be convicted that these are the truths. And I will never be moved from that. Whatever anyone say, otherwise it does not matter. The Bible says this. That is it. It settles it. The Bible states it. I believe it. That settles it. Correct? Correct. Shenwei, correct. Not correct, correct? Why not correct? The Bible says it. It doesn't matter whether I believe it or not. The Bible says it, that settles it. So Christians should not say, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. Then one day you read something, I find this too difficult to believe. So how is it settled? The Bible says it, that settles it. That's it. So it begins there, all right? So to study this topic, it begins there. The Christian must say everything that we have it in scriptures is the basis upon which I believe the physical death and resurrection of Christ is true. That is how we begin. With anything else. <clears throat> now, page 62, page, uh, sorry, in um, your BBK books under the first day. Now, Jesus Christ died. It seems almost unnecessary to, have, to make out a case for the Lord's physical demise means death. Nevertheless, to dispel the swoon theory, to dispel swoon theory, and any such talk, let's establish the, uh, clearly the fact of his death. Now, what is the swoon theory? <clears throat> what is that? The swoon theory is both believers and unbelievers believing that Jesus Christ, well, they say, okay, I won't argue. Jesus Christ came physically, all right? He came physically. He's literal, 100% human flesh, all right? Human being. We don't argue that. 
But if he's real physical human being, if he died three days later, there's no way he could arise. So they said to be scientific, to not be so embarrassing and tell someone, my Jesus died three days later and he rose, and have them laugh in your face in this day and age. Then they came up with this theory that Jesus Christ on the cross, on the cross, fainted. Soon means fainted, all right? He fainted. That's all. If he fainted, fainted, you can be revived, correct? Fainted can be revived. Dead cannot be revived. So he fainted. Now the swoon theory, you may not have heard about it, but it's very popular, very common. People do talk about it. Jesus Christ, the swoon theory. Of course, there were those who did not believe that Jesus is God. They do not believe Jesus is God. If Jesus is not God, there's no way he could resurrect. So they have to come up with theories. So one of it is the swoon theory. That he fainted, that is all. So they said then there were a group of people in Jesus' day that, that, um, that were very rich. You know those uh, conspiracy theories? So in the conspiracy theory is there were rich people in Jesus' time. They wanted to find a model person that would live in society and, and then they can sponsor this man in the background. And then if this man can lead people to himself, then in the background, these rich people of society can control society. You heard of all those kinds of theory today? It's like, what's that one? Uh? That, that, that one like that. And the eyes. What's that one? I forget the name. Yeah, you know, you know that one. That one. Okay? So all sorts of theories. So they say at that time, there's this group of people, they, they were very rich, so they have certain medicine that can make Jesus this man who they sponsor and get him to lead society, draw man to himself, and then he can actually, on the cross, actually look like that his pulse all stopped. And then, when he was brought down, right, so maybe Joseph was one of the, was one of those that was sponsored, brought him into the tomb, and then after that, revived him with some other, other chemicals, other concoction. Then Jesus came back to life. That's how he came back to life. So we laugh, we think this is, this is crazy, but Christians, professors, write about this. They write about this. So that is a soon theory. The Christian must be very clear in your heart. No such thing as soon theory. Literal death. Literal death. Look at your BBK books, please. Now, it is the duty of the soldier to confirm the death of those that are crucified. That is why they pierced his side. That is why they wanted to break his leg. So the soldiers will go around just to be sure because crucifixion is supposed to be sure death. They will pierce the person. Well, even if you fainted, you didn't die. Even if Jesus fainted, he will not survive the spear piercing through him. Right? Pierced through him. The soldiers... The Roman soldiers, they are very trained. They can tell whether the person is dead or not. They pierce and say, this one definitely dead. They did not bother to break his legs. Because once you break the leg, whether you're still half alive, once you, your body weight sinks down, your chest will be crushed, you can't breathe, and you will die of asphyxiation. So even if you don't die of the pain, you will still die of that. The cross death is mainly that. So, so they saw and they knew he was dead. So it's a literal physical death. <coughs> The Roman soldiers knew that. Of course, they didn't break his leg because this is also prophecy. This is also prophecy. 
So these are things that, that tells us Jesus Christ was truly dead. God record all this, make sure even the piercing recorded for us. The Christian know he died physically. Then also they put, uh, they wound him up in linen clothes, put a hundred pound of, hundred pound physical weight of myrrh and aloes over him, <coughs> laid him in a new sepulchre. There's no way he could just tie it up, get up, push all those things aside. No way. All right, so his resurrection, we'll talk more the following week, God willing. But there's one thing that, as Christians, <clears throat> we must be clear about regarding the death of Christ. This is very confusing to many Christians. Every year, I get these questions, I get this particular question a few times. Either new people coming or, or our own long-time worshipper. Um, just the other day, I got it again. So I thought, what, well, this year I didn't get to ask. No one asked me this question so far this year. 2019. Month number one, someone approached me and asked me already. <clears throat> it's regarding the Apostles' Creed. Jesus lived, died, and descended into hell. Hmm? Descended into hell. So the question surrounding Jesus' death is... When Jesus Christ died, did he go to hell? Did he go to hell or did not? So there are a few passages of scriptures, and there are Christians. So last night I tried to just Google some of this. Very popular Christian websites, they write that when Jesus Christ died, he died, his death, he died, what happened was... Then Jesus Christ went to hell, like they say the Apostle Creed says. Is that really what they are saying? Went to hell, and Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ freed, Jesus Christ freed the souls of the Old Testament saints. And then they went to heaven. Okay? So you say, what happened when Jesus Christ died? In that three days, Jesus Christ went to hell, freed the souls of the Old Testament saints. Means they say the Old Testament people, after they die, they remain in a place called paradise. And when Jesus Christ, after he died, after he died, went in and freed them, then they went to heaven. Have you heard of this? No? It's very common, actually. So many people believe that. Christians believe that. So these are famous websites that give you details of that. Now, how do they come up with this idea? And how do they interpret the Apostles' Creed? This idea came about when they began to think about 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. So I want to clarify this clearly. And if there are other Christians that approach you, please be able to explain the truth to them. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. And what is BBK for? BBK is basic Bible knowledge, right? is to build up your foundation. First Peter chapter 3, 
verse, um, let me see. Okay, let's read from verse 18 to 20, reading. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. By which he also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Which once, we sometimes were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. So when they read this, they say, ah, you see, verse 18 says, Jesus Christ, yes, we agree, he was put to death in the flesh, he died physically. And then, when he died, in verse 19, he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. You see, spirits in prison. Can you see? Uh, I, I drew too lightly. There were spirits in prison. Okay, there were souls in prison. In prison. And then, um, alright, so the spirits in prison, he went to preach. Preach to the spirits in prison. He went there, and the idea is this. The old covenant, Friday we study, right? Old covenant, new covenant. So he said, oh, new covenant. So Jesus Christ went there to preach the new covenant to them. Preach the new covenant to them. And then he said, oh, okay, it's not about the animal's blood. It's about your blood. Oh, okay, we believe. So now they get to go to heaven. Okay? So different versions, many different versions. Now, please notice I use the word covenant. This is also among so-called some of the reform believers, the reformed believers, but I would say maybe typically the, yeah, so, so it's, it's, it's prevalent among some reformed believers also. A uh, few weeks, well, rather last year, someone asked and said, you know, my mom, my grandma just passed away. So pastor, is she in heaven now? Or is she in this place waiting? And then later then she will go to heaven. Now, these are people who have been attending church for the last 20 years. Not clear in the mind. They call, those who interpret it this way, Jesus Christ died, he went there. Jesus went to paradise. Remember, Jesus said to the thief, the thief, This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. So they say, is it paradise? Jesus did not say heaven. Jesus said paradise. He did not say, this day you go, to me, go with me to heaven. This day you will go with me to paradise. Paradise. And the, West, uh, the Apostles' Creed said, Jesus Christ went down to hell. Alright? Or the Greek word, let's say Hades. 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 So in the mind of these people, hell or Hades has two compartments. Two compartments. One is what is called paradise, upper compartment, okay? Business class, maybe. Upper compartment, first class, upper compartment. And then there is a lower compartment that is where fire, uh, unsafe one go there, all right? So unsafe, so upper and lower. Unsafe people here. That is why Lazarus was in upper compartment, in Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom is not heaven. Is Abraham, Old Testament saying, right? Also was there. Abraham was in this place called paradise. That is why Abraham, Lazarus and the rich man could shout to each other because it's divided by a compartment. 
Okay, so these are the beliefs. You may find it strange, but I want you to be very clear about this. Is this true? Few things. We have to, number one, I hope I have time. Number one, establish, are these two places the same? Number two, explain the verse of 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's, let's begin by looking at 1 Peter chapter 3. Explain this verse. So one day, I always wish I can give you homework for BBK. All right, parents, tonight, family devotion, you can use this. Ask your child, ask your children to explain this verse. Did Jesus go to hell to preach um, to, the, to the souls? Now, number one, let's read. First of all, it's definitely about Christ. Verse 18, it was about Christ that went and preached unto the spirits in prison. For sure, it's about Jesus Christ preaching to some souls that are called prison, uh, spirits in prison. That is number one. How do we understand this verse? Okay. Let me try and draw to help you follow. Verse 19. <coughs> Jesus, <coughs> okay, first, he mentioned Noah, right? He mentioned Noah, so Noah was building the ark. I don't know how to draw ark. Okay, pretend this is an ark. Okay, pretend this is what it looked like. Probably don't look like that. So this is an ark, and then here is Noah. Noah and family building the ark. He mentioned about Noah preparing the ark in the days of Noah. Then he mentioned, the Bible mentioned souls in prison. There were souls in prison. Okay? I don't know how to drop prison. Maybe you got bars like that. Alright, souls in prison. So, what is this saying? Look at verse 19, uh, verse 19 very carefully. Now, they say that Jesus went to preach to the, prison, the souls, the spirits in prison. Who are these souls? Number one, are they the OT saints? That's the question. Number two, did Jesus go there to preach to them? Look at verse 20. Read this very carefully. Which sometimes were disobedient. So, can these spirits in prison be the Old Testament saints? It cannot be. Because verse 20 says, we sometimes were disobedient. So it says now, these souls that are in prison, they were sometimes, means in the past, disobedient. So these are disobedient people. So we know that this cannot be the Old Testament saints. Were the Old Testament saints disobedient people? No, they had faith in God. They obeyed the Lord. They were not called disobedient um, unbelievers. So that is one. Number two, you look at verse 20. We sometimes were disobedient. Now, sorry, verse 19. By, by the which also he went. What is this which? By the which. By the which. The only way to find out what is this which is verse 18. Verse 18, the ending of verse 18 is quickened by the Spirit. Jesus was quickened by the Spirit, by the which. So it is by the witch, which will be the Spirit. Jesus Christ, by the Spirit, preached to these disobedient ones. Understand? 
Jesus, by the Spirit, preached to these obedient ones. Now, then the, the next thing we, we have to establish, when did Jesus Christ preach to these disobedient ones? When? When? Is it after he died? Look here. Is it after he died, he went to preach to those? Or when? Now, if these were unbelievers, then you look at verse 20. We sometimes were disobedient. Means these souls... Look here, these souls, they were in the past disobedient souls. And now they are in hell. They are now in hell. Look at verse 20. When, when were these disobedient ones disobedient? During the days of Noah, when the ark was prepared, being prepared. So when the ark was being prepared, there were disobedient souls, there were unbelievers that lived then, which we know, and the Bible is saying that Jesus Christ, by the Spirit, so by the Spirit, Jesus Christ preached to these ones. How are you and I saved? Ignatius, someone preached the gospel to you. Who saved you? Brother so and so. Jesus Christ saved you, right? And who convicted you of sin? The who? Who? The Holy Spirit, right? So, how are men saved? The gospel is preached. Gospel is preached. And the gospel is preached by the Spirit. By the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will use men. For example, the prophets, Noah. To, the Spirit will use men like Noah to preach the gospel to the disobedient ones. The passage is saying this. Watch carefully. The passage is saying that Jesus Christ, by the Spirit in the past, preached to these souls. For example, through the prophet Noah, preached through these souls. And these souls were disobedient. Today, where are these souls? These souls are in hell. That is simply what it means. Can I not? Can I? Sure. You must be able to explain this passage, right? Parents, you better be able to explain this passage because you explain this tonight to your children and ask them again at family worship. It is not saying that Jesus Christ went to hell at this point to preach to them. No, it's talking about what Jesus Christ did in the past. So don't be like these souls that are disobedient because when you die, there is no more chance to hear the gospel. This ends up with the fact that people will go to a limbo place then go to heaven after that. These are very wrong ideas. And furthermore, please turn to, um, let's see. Please turn to 2 Corinthians chapter, 4, chapter 12, verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. Can you read aloud, please? 1, 2, reading. You see, when Paul says, I was caught up in paradise. This is New Testament. Paradise is not a place that is part of hell. This is New Testament. Paul said, I was caught up in paradise. Paradise. So paradise in the Bible is used 
interchangeably with heaven, interchangeably with heaven. Then you also look at Revelations um, 2 verse 7. Let's turn there, Revelations 2 verse 7, quickly, and then we go to end. Revelation 2 7. Okay, let's read together. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. New Testament. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of paradise of God. Paradise of God. The tree of life. In the paradise of God. In the New Testament. It's heaven. But do Old Testament saints die and go to heaven? What do you think? I've got no time to... to, to Quiz you. Second, Second Kings chapter two verse eleven. Second Kings chapter two verse eleven. Second Kings chapter two verse eleven. Okay. Where do Old Testament saints? Where do God bring Old Testament saints to? Now let's read um, together. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Old Testament saints, God brings them to heaven. They are not locked in some place temporarily until Jesus Christ died and went there to rescue them and bring them to heaven. Old Testament saints, God brought them to heaven. Paradise and heaven is the same place. Don't come up with this funny idea. All right, it is not God's truth. Let us pray.